good day and happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the X's and O's with Greg Hosell and Doug Farrar. I'm Doug Farrar of uh, Touchdown Wire on the USA Today Sports Media Group. And the guy over there in the stripy shirt finishing up his lunch is Greg Cosell of uh, NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. And uh, Greg, now that you're done with your uh, with your lovely dessert, I thought <laughs> we'd uh, move on from last week's show, which was kind of building the ideal secondary and the traits and attributes for those positions. Um, sorry, linebackers. You'll get, you know, we'll talk about you more later. We all know that Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL, so we can move on. Um, I want to talk about defensive line and I want to start with say, and, and you've been at NFL film since 1979. You helped you and Steve Sable created basically the tape show with NFL matchup in 1984. Um, I know you wrote about Lawrence Taylor and the games that changed the game. So you got good. Yeah, he was pretty. He was he was okay. He was decent. How has the and this is a really long, sure. like, large question, but how has how have the requirements for defensive linemen and we're talking primarily pass rushers here changed since Lawrence Taylor's era, the Bruce Smith era? Kind of how how have things changed? I mean, if you're talking, Doug, about individual pass rush, which I think you are, correct? You know, individual pass rushers. I don't think the requirements have dramatically changed. I think we can talk about the the weights of players. I mean, obviously, um, you know, weights of offensive tackles have changed, players they're going up against. But I think ultimately when you talk about pass rush from the edge, which is I think what we're starting with, you know, I think you're talking about the ability to to generate – speed, which leads to strength, which then leads to power, because power is speed in motion. I mean, excuse me, it's strength in motion. Power is strength in motion. And when people um, say speed to power, that's what we mean. Right. You know, you, ha- you have to be able to do a couple of things to be a good pass rusher off the edge. Number one, however you do it, you have to be able to initiate and then play off contact. This is not college football where you see guys run by offensive tackles. Yeah. So you have to be able to initiate contact and then play off that contact. Now, obviously, different players do that differently, but hand usage then comes into play. But when you evaluate pass rushers and you're trying to decide if they're going to be good at it, let's say at the next level, if you're watching college players, you have to see if they can be effective with what they're doing within a three to five yard metric, because and there's a lot of secondary. Man, this, is my, this is on my notes and I call it the gimme three steps rule. Uh, we're honoring Leonard Skinner. Today. Oh, there you go. Um, and in our, in our first podcast in April, you talked about what I call, what I sort of had in my head as a three steps rule, that that's when you really find out what the guy is doing and what he's able to do in those first two or three steps. You brought right. that up then. As long as you weren't cutting a rug down at the jug with a girl named Betty Lou. Oh, Linda, Linda Lou. No, I, I, I'm married, man. I, I don't, okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. Away from me. I don't want the other guy. In the other all right, guy. all right. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to be able to win early. You know, it's three to five. Think of it three to five yards. Um, and you're right. It's it three. You can look at it three steps, but it's really three to five yards. That's how you project pass rushers. Um, because there's a lot of plays where guys, you know, make sacks later in the down as it were. So you're looking really at time from snap to 
sack or snap to pressure. Um, and so you have to be able to, to, to win off contact. That's number one. Um, because not everybody, and this is another important part of it, not everybody is, is bendy and flexible. You know, a term I got from a coach years ago, which I love, is motorcycle lean. Okay? And I think people can visualize that. Um, not everybody can do that. that. That's an athletic trait that not, is not in everybody's body. You know, so some guys who can do that, that is really, really impressive. The ability to really bend, you know, you mentioned going back, you started with Lawrence Taylor and you mentioned the name Bruce Smith. For mm -hmm. people who remember that, think of how low to the ground Bruce Smith got. I mean, yeah. it, it, that was one of the most amazing things. Now, he wasn't a tall defensive end. I think he was only about 6'2". He wasn't 6'4", 6'5", like many of them are today. Um but he could get so low to the ground with that bend and that lean. And that's just in your body or not in your body. Not everybody can do that. Um, six, four, six, four, two, sixty two. Uh, he was six, four. He yeah. didn't look six, four on tape, but, but I he, guess was that's, he was getting under your pads and wrecking. Yeah. Board. Yeah. He was getting under your pads. So, so yeah. I was wrong about his height, but he just didn't look that way on tape. Um, but, you know, so that's, that's something that, you know, is also, important um if you can do it uh but either way whether you're playing off contact or whether you're bendy and can win by by doing that you then have to have the ability in your body to flatten your rush path so you can close to the quarterback because there's a lot of guys that are really good attacking the high side meaning the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle but then if they win to the high side they can't flatten their rush path and they simply get pushed past the quarterback. So you have to, however you can do it, you have to have the ability to flatten your rush path and then close to the quarterback with some kind of burst and speed. Um, you know, so these are traits that we, we look at when we talk about rushing the quarterback. I'm not sure these traits have changed, uh, Doug, over time. You know, I think that the nature of, of positions have changed. I mean, now, you have pass rushers who are 245 pounds 20, 25 years ago. You know, I mean, obviously Lawrence Taylor was an exception and, you know, maybe what maybe the greatest edge rusher we've seen just with his combination of traits. But for the most part, back in the day, 240 pound, 245 pound players were not really edge rushers in a strict sense. Um, you know, I can think back to the Colts when they had Dwight Franey, and on the other side was Robert Mathis, who yep. weighed 235 pounds, and he would be an aberration. He would be an exception, but he was an unbelievably good pass rusher. Um, right. You know, and again, he played on a team that was often ahead because he was on the teams with Peyton Manning, and then you could just pretty much, you know, pin your ears back and attack and rush the quarterback, yeah, um, which certainly helps. Um, but, you know, nowadays you, you look at guys, you know, T.J. Watt, he's not 275 pounds. Um, there's a lot of guys who rush the quarterback really effectively. I think of someone who got hurt last year and he just popped into my head because he's not 275 pounds was Harold Landry, who the year prior to that um, in 20, excuse me, in 2021 had an outstanding year rushing off the edge. Another player who's probably in the 245, 250 pound range. You know, there's a lot of Will Anderson coming into the league this year is 253 pounds. Um, even a lot of the guys in this draft who are being looked upon now as potentially really fine pass rushers, guys who I know you've done work on, like the Will McDonald's of the world from Iowa State. Yes. You know, what 
what's he, 245 pounds? Yeah, he I, played like 40% of his snaps at 4i, and the first thing Robert Sala said is, well, obviously we're going to move him outside. And apparently yeah, I mean, that one. The training yeah, camp yeah the same thing happened with Josh Sweat at Florida State, and obviously, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, you know, someone like Byron Young from Tennessee is about 245 pounds. I mean, now you're thinking of, of guys who are more in that range. I mean, if you, there, there's not 25 Garretts, Miles Garretts, you know, no. who, who's, who's 272. Two two hundred seventy five pounds. Those and by the way, are... he has ridiculous motorcycle lean at that weight, which, which is, is it, it, you're makes right. it, it makes it even crazier. That he, right, you know. but but you know, there's not twenty five of those guys. No. He's he, he's a special guy. So yeah. you know, it's you, you don't necessarily when you watch tape think, oh, I'm going to compare him to Miles Garrett. You know, because there's not a lot of those guys. Um, you know, so you know that's i mean look you, you look at someone like Kayvon Thibodeau who came out a year ago with uh top 5 or 6 pick in the draft or maybe 4 if i'm not mistaken to the giants he's about 250 255 pounds so you know this the size of pass rushers has changed a bit athletes have gotten better these guys are better athletes um with you know more athleticism to their body overall but as far as being able to rush the quarterback there are certain things you have to be able to do Yep. Well, I want to get it kind of start with the edge guys and like the nine, the nine text, the outside guys. Why? This, is, yeah. this is Garrett. This is Bosa. This is Max Crosby. This is where your top edge rushers tend to live. And, you know, Micah Parsons speed counter, Nick Bosa's bull rush, uh, Max Crosby's inside. Well, Max Crosby's spin move. Goodness. Well, uh, just before Garrett, you, you say that, one thing I've learned. It, it, we have all these different techniques. Yeah. Um, so go ahead. Yeah. One thing I've learned, and you know, I learned this not only from watching tape but talking to coaches as well, is to be a good edge pass rusher, you have to have the ability to threaten and challenge the high side. If yeah. you cannot win off the edge, it's very hard to be a quality pass rusher because winning off the edge and being able to threaten and challenge the edge forces more often than not offensive tackles to break down their technique because they do not want to be beaten off the edge. And then if you get them to break down their technique, then you can work your moves and your counters. Then you can work back inside, you know, and, and you see that with a lot of guys as they take two, three steps to attack the edge and they get offensive tackles to do what we call overset. Yes. They're so conscious of not being beaten off the edge because that's really the, you know, that's a quick path to the quarterback, just running to, to the quarterback that then they turn their bodies to the sideline and they become parallel to the sideline. And then that opens them up to the inside quick counters. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you see a lot of really good pass rushers take those two or three steps attacking the high side, and then they snap right back inside to the low side and they're able to win that way. But you have to be able to challenge and threaten the high side in order to be a really good one-on-one -on -one pass rusher. When we talk about a six tech or a seven tech, which is either right over the tight end spacing where the tight end is there or not, or to the tight ends outside shoulder where the tight end, that's kind of the spacing of it. Um, last year I was observing that the Chiefs, did a lot with six. The Bills did a lot with seven. If you're a little more inside than the nine tech, you know, the traditional edge guy who's just you right. know, slamming The Jim block. Schwartz guy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, what are those – you're not you're not a five. You know, you're not an end in a, in a five-man front, but you're sort of closer to the edge than the, the Jim Schwartz guy. What are the requirements there? Well, the closer you are to the offensive line – the less space you have. There's some right. really, you know, pass rushers who have who are 
quick and fast. They want a runway. They want space. You know, that's where you get a lot of speed to power off the edge with guys who are 240 pounds who you wouldn't necessarily think could win with power, strength and power versus 320 pound offensive tackles. But when they have a long runway, you know, it, it, they, they're able to generate velocity and speed. So the closer you are to the offensive line, the more you have to win with your hands, the more you have to win with short area quickness. Um, you know, you don't have a runway to generate velocity and speed. So then it becomes more of a of a hand fighting game, more of a, a short area quickness game. Um, you know, that those are the things then you look for. Can you win in confined space? Um, and, you know, if you're not used to doing that, that's hard to do because then you start getting into all the techniques taught by defensive line coaches about where to place your hands, about how to reset your hands. You know, offensive linemen are taught these things as well, how to reset your hands, you know, because sometimes you start as an offensive lineman to, with a punch or a strike and a defensive pass rusher will move your hand and then you have to reset it to try to maintain control and leverage. Um, whereas, defensive linemen are looking to control and displace, yeah. you know, so, um, <clears throat> you know, you have to be able to use your hands and your arms effectively in coordination with your footwork. So you don't lose your balance and body control. That's a different kind of talent and, and art and trait different than, you know, rushing off the edge where you have more space. Sure. Uh, getting into the five tech, which is, I mean, we're in just in general, we're talking about lining up right on the tackles outside shoulder. Um, and I, I, I tend to think of Danico Autry when I when I think of this. But let's say you're going to five or four, which is straight over the tackle, or four eye, which is to the tackles inside shoulder. And this is DeForest Butner territory to me. Well, also. then you're getting into the three technique as well. Three technique right. and four eye are, you know, a little there's a blurred line there, you know, but, but they're, they're close, you know? So if you're going from five to say the outside of three, cause I want to talk about three separately. Cause that's where Aaron Donald comes in. We you know need to talk about him here. Um, if you're like five to the outside of three, what do you need from guys to do that? Well, well, I mean, I think now you're getting into whether you're head up on someone versus you're in a gap. Okay. Right. And, in a gap is different than being head up because if sure. you're head up on someone, unless you're slanting or unless you're part of a stunt, you know, these are, these are kind of games that defensive linemen play. But if you're just theoretically just rushing the quarterback without those things, there's two different elements there because if you're a gap player, you know, let's say a three technique, um, which I know you said you want to talk differently, but just gets into the idea of the gap. Is sure. You can shoot straight into what is essentially a little bit of an opening, okay? Because mm -hmm. there's a gap there. If you're head up over an offensive lineman, like I said, unless you're slanting, your initial move, you're basically going right into another human being. Mm -hmm. So there's those are two different ways to rush the quarterback and two different thought processes, you know, the way you would think about attacking those guys. I mean, you know, you mentioned someone like DeForest Buckner. You mentioned Aaron Donald, who you said, you know, I mean, obviously he's the best at it, you know, when you work through And he gap. plays everywhere. He's like 30% right. outside, so right. he's, a, you know, he's an yeah. alien. I don't know um, that. And, you know, it's funny. That also just made me think of what a lot of teams do now with what we call loaded fronts, where they line three yeah. defensive linemen to one side of the center, 
And the middle of those three is often someone like Aaron Donald, um, who's a great pass rusher. And what happens is now space is created between that guy and an offensive guard. And we know offensive guards friend is not space. So what you end up having is you end up having a great pass rusher, someone like an Aaron Donald, um, who now has a five or six yard runway to attack an offensive guard and an offensive guard that, you know, his thing is not dealing with a lot of space. That's why he's no. a guard. No. Well, you, you said before tackles control the width of the pocket guards control the depth. And if that's Aaron absolutely Donald's, true, if guards, you know, if Aaron Donald's coming at you, it's not a good thing either way. So three tack where you're on the guards outside shoulder, this is kind of the, it's the money position. I think people think of for interior pass rushers, uh, Donald is as good as anyone's ever seen, but to be a great three tech, what do you need? What, what traits do you need to have? Burst off the snap would be yeah. something you really want to start with because you, you don't forget you're shooting into a gap. So you want to force, you know, you're theoretically attacking the term. A lot of people use half a man. So mm-hmm. you want to, you want the offensive lineman in a sense to be in a re the offensive lineman to be in a reactive position right off the snap of the ball, as opposed to proactive. You want him to have to really move his feet quickly. And and now we're talking about guards who are normally not as light on their feet as offensive tackles. Um, So you, you're, you as a, as a gap player are in a proactive position. Um, So, you know, that's, that's what you ultimately want. That's why, again, there's so many different fronts now in the NFL, but the basic, let's say third down front, the basic one, which a lot of people would call a jet front, would have two three techniques mm-hmm. and two wide nines. Right. Okay. That's the basic front that, you know, like I said, there's more to it than that. As we know, teams are doing more, you know, the game is constantly evolving and changing. But the basic pass rush front for years and years has been that jet front with two. Yeah, I call techniques. it the quotation mark front. And it's like, okay, I know it's third down. 90% of the time it's third down. Correct. Because now what you're doing is you're attacking the guards and the, and the offensive tackles yeah. and the center will, will normally slide to uh, one way or the other. You know, that's based on team and opponent and the whole deal, but that's what you're essentially doing is, you know, you're getting, you're getting speed because you're attacking gaps with with a three tech with two three techniques you're you're you know attacking the guards in a gap and you have these wide nine edge players who are then rushing against offensive tackles with a runway with space where they can generate speed and velocity. Yep. And Donald had some injuries last year. I would say the guy who played the best three to me last year was Chris Jones of the Chiefs. Just and he he has great techniques, great ways of like pulling you in and then slipping around. Whether it's a yeah, you know, he's he's very big. You know, he's not as explosive an athlete as Donald, obviously. No. Well, so he has a little more of a control and displace element to his game. Although for his size, he is quick, but he's but he's not quick the way you think of like a true three technique. No, he's a jujitsu man. He just likes to get in there and beat you up. Um, so two and two eye, two is head over the guard, two eyes to the inside of the guard. And here I think of Quinnen Williams and Cam Hayward. You're not uh you're not a nose, you're not a nose shade, but you're in that sort of area. And Dexter Lawrence, who we're gonna talk about in a minute, was also I would great. put Jeffrey Simmons in that category yes, as well. Yes, I yes, I, I I completely agree. So let's take Jeffrey Simmons as maybe the the sort of ideal here. Uh to be a two or a two eye, you're over the guard or to the inside shoulder of the guard, what do you need to be? Well, 
in an ideal world, you need to be country strong. Yep. I mean, someone like Jeffrey Simmons is country strong. He can he move. He will lift people. your house. <laughs> yeah, he can move people. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with being quick as well. I think, you know, I, like for instance, I think Quentin Williams and Jeffrey Simmons, who are both very, very good, um, probably, uh, you know, just as you mentioned, Dexter Lawrence, who had an unbelievable year last yeah. year. Um, and it's hard to believe a 340 pound man could be that light on his feet. But, you know, just quick, Obviously. I, I compared him to Holodi Nada when he came out, and everyone thought I was insane. I'm not. Well, I'm not doing. Well, you might that. be insane. Well, but not over that. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, the, the what makes guys great at that position, and and you know me well enough to know I don't use the word great loosely. I would say Simmons is close to that. Quinn and Williams, the year last year, suggested he could be that. Dexter Lawrence had an unbelievable year. I'm sure I'm missing someone who's listening would say, what about, uh, Cam what about? Hayward, I, I, I was doing some tape work on this this morning. And Cam Hayward, especially right over the guard. And obviously he's powerful, but the quickness really shows. Right. Up. Well, and, and that's what I was just about to say. I think that the really, really good ones have a combination of both. Right. Um, sure. You know, but I think in in tight areas, you need the ability to, to use the term that I used earlier to control and displace. You, in tight quarters, you need to be able to do that because don't forget, you don't have space on on one side like an edge rusher. You know, you you have to create your own space. Yes. So in order to do that, you have to control the man in front of you and displace him, move him out of the way, and. However you choose to do that, you know, you can do it with, you know, it's usually done with, with, with some kind of hand usage. You know, you see a lot of those guys with club moves, with arm over moves, with swipe moves, with, you know, with, with rip moves. You know, there's all kinds of moves that are taught by D-line coaches, but you need to, to at least move to some degree the man in front of you. And then if you have the quickness to, to uh, play off that, you know, like uh, the Quinn and Williams of the world, um, you know, then that that's an added element. But I think inside like that, if you're thinking pass rush, strength becoming power, because as I said, power is really strength in motion. Yes. Then then those two things are really, really important. We're going to finish off our ideal defensive line with the zero tech head over the center and the one tech shaded to either side. Um, and I, I remember, and I think you, you wrote about the stunt four, three in the book, right? The, the Joe green, uh, Dave, I forgot the guy who his defensive line coach, but Joe green did that thing where he, he yeah, the, t- the tilted nose. Yeah. The and, tilted uh, nose. and imagine Joe green coming at your center that way. And that wasn't fun. So zero tech, you're right over the center. Um, one tech you're, you're shaded to one side. And I think of Dexter Lawrence in the run game. I think of Vita Vea here because Vita Vea is right. the you're, you're a center. Another guy who's really light on his feet for you're that. You're going to have a really crappy day if you have Vita Vea is in front of you. So obviously we know big. Obviously we know quick. What do the best zero techs and one techs, the best nose tackles have in common um, today and just through time? Well, you know, it's funny. Normally those guys that we think of as the best at those positions, more often than not, now there's exceptions always, are run players more than, than pass rush players. Right. Um, you know, there's always an, you know, an exception here and there. Obviously Quinnen Williams doesn't come off the field. Obviously Jeffrey Simmons doesn't. Dexter Lawrence had an unbelievable year last year, just with bull rushing and driving back the center into the quarterback. Yeah. You know, those guys, 
like I said, those guys, there's not a hundred of those guys. But normally when you think of zero techniques and one techniques, you think more in terms of, you know, playing the run, you know, and keep in mind, we're seeing more of what we call tight fronts, mm -hmm. you know, three zero three fronts, four zero four fronts, meaning two, three techniques in a zero, two, four techniques in a zero as part of a five man front. We're seeing more and more of that in the National Football League right now. So having a zero technique or a one technique who can control the center and uh, and and win one on one versus the center or if he's being double teamed by a down block by a guard along with the center, you know, a combo block, you know, but either stalemate that where he doesn't get pushed back or even defeat it. You know, Not that's true. where I think of, of those zero techniques, you know, more than anything else, their ability to control their gap in the run game. Right. And in, I remember the, the Wade Phillips five, two fronts, especially the ones he had in Dallas, his, and actually in Houston too, his nose tackles were always almost lighter than his ends. So you can do it different ways. Yeah, no question. And, and, and again, it all depends though. And I don't remember, Wade's defense specifically in those years, but don't forget your nose can also, you know, you could be slanting. You could, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do with Jay your Ratliff was one of his guys in Dallas and he was really good for a while. What's that? Jay Ratliff. Oh, I remember Jay. Yeah. Jay Ratliff was, was yeah. he was, yes, but he was a quickness player. Jay exactly. Ratliff. Exactly. Not that he, you know, I'm, I don't want to shortchange him and say no. he couldn't. Yeah. But I mean, he was more of a quickness player than let's say your typical guy. Like, let's say the Linville Josephs of the world. You know, he was, he wasn't that guy. Ratliff was playing nose at like six, four, 300. So we obviously had power. He wouldn't, Wade wouldn't have put him at nose, but he was more of that speed penetrating guy. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really difficult. If, you know, if you're playing a five man front, like I said, either a four Oh four or three Oh three, and you're going to start slanting and, you know, you're, you're the term that's often used is you cancel gaps. It, it really gets hard for offensive linemen to deal with that, you know, particularly when there's five and you're going to eat up, you're going to cancel gaps and eat up offensive linemen. It just makes it really, really difficult. Yep. Well, great, great stuff as always. We uh, we're, we put together our eight defense. I think we're going to have Dexter Lawrence, Vita Vea, Quinnen Williams, Cam Hayward, Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, DeForest Buckner, Danico Autry. Yeah, we're going to have a pretty good defensive line here, I think. I think this is uh, not work. too bad. I mean, you mentioned DeForest Buckner. He's been a really, really good player. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, too, in um, – uh, in Chicago now, because I think that Matt Eberflus, I think, you know, a major, you know, he seems to be a guy that almost believes. And again, I don't want to speak for him, but just by looking at his teams, that's all I can do is just look at the tape. He seems to believe that defense really starts, you know, through the middle. You know, he's a big believer in defensive tackles, which means three technique. And obviously in Indy, he had two really good ones in Buckner and in, um, Grover Stewart, who's a very overlooked one technique oh, in the league. Oh God, he's so good inside. Yes. Yeah. I, um. And and you know, and then he had you know Shaq Leonard, obviously, and Okereke, and uh, but now in Chicago, we'll see. They just you know it's important to him because they just spent a lot of money on two stack backers. So you yep. know that it's important to Eberflus. So he's going to be an interesting guy to watch in regard to the interior of a D line and everything working backward through the middle of the field. Well, and because the Bears don't have a lot on the outside right now. So that's <laughs> yeah. but I think, you know, again, it, it, my sense is it's a philosophy. Right. Sure. Well, Greg, as always, we appreciate your philosophy. Wonderful stuff. And we'll talk more X's and O's next week. All right, Doug. Thanks. Thanks.